Howdy folks, welcome to the yet another episode. I think this is the fourth episode of uh, YC Founder Stories. Today I have a good friend, uh, someone I really like getting inspired these days for his uh, tweets, the threads he write about, like man, everything else, you know, about community, community company building, how to build startups, how to inspire like people, how to put founders in the direction. Uh, without further ado, Arjun Mahadevan, welcome to the show. How are you feeling? Thank you so much. And just chuckling because I think we were briefly talking earlier about how we'd been talking for some time and looking back at one of the first messages I sent you almost three years ago. So time does fly. Last three years feels like the last three months, but really excited to chat today and dive in. Absolutely. See, that that's the thing, right? Like since the last three years, you've done so much and you're kind of like validating the idea with me, you know, people like me about like, you know, how you incorporate companies in the US and whatnot. And you kind of also gave me a nudge like, okay, as an immigrant in the US, you can incorporate a company. So that's something uh, I'm grateful for you to put me in that direction. But uh, again, the show is divided into two pieces, folks. One is like uh, a general questions I ask Arjun, and there is a bonus content. So stay tuned for that uh, later in the episode. Let's get this thing started. Like, what is your startup idea? If you want, if you can explain in one two sentences. Doula is a business in a box for LLCs. What that means is typically when you want to start a company, you would go to Google actually and search how to form a company in LLC or C Corp from right. country. Maybe you're based outside the US, maybe you're inside the US. You'll find migraine inducing information on Google. I love that line. That's what a customer or prospective customers of ours said. And they said, okay, there's mismatching information. They say one thing, should I do the other thing? Should I form in Delaware? Should I form in Wyoming? Actually, hmm. the right answer is you should form in the state you live in if you live in the US. So clearing misconceptions right. from the get-go, but let's say you figure out the right state to form in, which is if you live in the US, you should form in the state you live in. If you live outside the mm. US, you can choose any state. And Wyoming is mm. actually typically the most popular state to form an LLC mm. in for non-US founders. Many people think mm. Delaware. But you do mm. that, then you have to navigate, how do I open up a US business bank account? Do I have to fly to the mm. US? Can I even mm. open a US business bank account? Do I need this mm. thing called an EIN or an employer identification number? Yes, you actually do. Right. Okay, right. you've done that and you've gotten your company set up. You connected to Stripe for payments, but now you're thinking, or actually this is something you're probably asking from the get-go. What about taxes? Do I have to pay taxes mm. to the IRS? What do I have to file to the state each year? And right. am I going to face fines, face stress? Yes, you will face stress unless you have a solution there or a plan. And what we right. thought is, wait a second, there are many ways to form a company today, but you form the company mm. And effectively, founders feel like they've been thrown to the wolves where they're left to fend for themselves. Sure, they have a checklist of things to do, but they don't have that true long-term partner or the products and services to help them not just start mm. their company, but run and grow it. And with Doula, that's mm. our goal is we don't just form the company and give you confidence that it was done correctly, but we serve mm. as that longer-term partner. We can help spin up your bank account. We can help do your taxes each year. And for everything we can't do, we try to partner or integrate with best-in-class companies around the world too, whether it's Amazon for AWS credits, if you need HubSpot mm. for a CRM, if you need a website, we'll have the right tools either in-house at Doula or with partners to help you, again, not just start, but run and grow your business. I love that. I think you're you're kind of like a one-stop package for founders to get started and eventually like, you know, build a company on on the dreams of like, you know, going big, right? I love that. How did you come up with the idea in the first place? When we were going through the formation process, and I think many people have done this, typically sure. lawyers or CPAs will charge you by the hour. 
And that doesn't mean lawyers or CPAs don't have value, but if it is a rather cookie cutter or repeatable process, you can use technology to automate and then bring the cost down. When forming a company, you could pay lawyers tens or 20 of thousands of dollars. And that might sound very high, but that was quite literally the situation that we found ourselves in. And the idea was, what if you could click a button and initialize a company? Similar to that mm -hmm. Staples Easy button where you click it and that was easy. Could you make it click button easy to really get a company off the ground? And mm -hmm. that's where it started. It really started with, there are many options that help serve U.S. companies, U.S. customers, people living in the U.S. But no mm -hmm. one was really thinking about or solving the specific needs for folks based outside the U.S., which are a bit different. There's different tax concerns. Maybe there's different concerns on, hey, can I actually open a bank account? But it started mm. there with, let's focus on helping non-U.S. founders quickly and compliantly open up a U.S. business. And what we've seen mm. today is that the offering very much resonates globally. There's folks in the U.S. who can use this as well. But internationally, right. what we saw was this massive gap of companies that were willing to help founders who didn't have a social. Quite literally, mm. they would say, hey, if you don't have a social, you can't work with us. I actually thought, right. wait, is it illegal or not possible to form a company if you don't have a social? But it just turned mm. out that the right tools and solutions really focused on that segment weren't quite there mm. and our offering really resonated with those founders. I love that. When did you get into YC? Got into YC and went through the batch in the summer of 2020, but we actually ended up deferring demo day and went through in the spring of 2021. And what are the key elements in your opinion uh, founders should focus on when applying to YC? First thing is I actually tell people this all the time. I think there is zero downside from doing the YC application and applying. The reason why is because the only downside or the cost of applying is the time it takes to write the application. But for anyone working on any business, VC backed, bootstrapped, et cetera, the types of questions YC asks in the application are the exact questions that you need to have answers for. And you might not know exactly if the answers are right, but having no plan is a recipe for disaster. Having any plan is better than no plan. And by going through that YC application where questions are asked such as, what is your business? What does your business do? How are you gonna acquire your first 100 customers? How are you gonna to get to X million in revenue? Who, is, right. who are the competitors? Who are you most scared of in the competitive landscape? Those types of things are things you need to do in terms of research anyway. And mm. you do that research anyway, you get to submit the application and great. If you get an interview and you get in, you have the optionality. You can decide if you want to go in. Worst case mm. is you've gone through this rigorous thought process or exercise of turning over the stones that need to be turned over to understand what could work for this business if it works really well. And what are going to be the biggest obstacles upfront as well? And mm. the advice I would say is write the application and do it regardless of whether or not you want to apply. You then have the optionality of actually submitting it and seeing if you get in. And if you do, congratulations. Right. Uh, there's major benefits to YC. Uh, obviously, right. many folks going in are maybe first-time founders or it's the first time going through. And mm. YC sort of gives you that advice that they've seen from thousands of businesses. The way I like to think right. about it is they help you look around corners that you didn't mm. even know existed. So you're looking right. around the corner. You didn't even know that there was a wall in a corner there, but YC is giving you that advice. And mm. it's effectively binary whether or not your business gets the next level or not. So I believe in stacking the deck and getting as many people, companies, investors, whatever it is, supportive of you to ensure or maximize the chances that you get there. Nice. Can you share your YC interview experience in a couple of sentences, how it went, how did you feel like when you were, you know, getting grilled by the the partners? What's really cool is YC took this process that typically was gated by, 
oh, you need a warm intro to a specific VC to even have a conversation about investment. But they trimmed it down, if you will, to an application that anyone can submit and a standardized 10-minute interview. And then from that, they're able to decide, hey, should we fund this team? And I think on the surface, that can sound pretty wild. How can you, from an interview and a 10-minute conversation, evaluate? But I think this goes to show when you've worked with, or they have in this case, worked with thousands of founders, they're able to determine quickly, hey, these are maybe the right traits or signs. They've also, and I think we don't really realize this, they're seeing thousands of applications, actually maybe more, maybe hundreds of thousands. And because of that, even if I think this idea for a travel recommendation mobile app sounds very Mm. unique, chances are they've probably seen maybe 10,000 of those exact applications. So they know, Mm. hey, we've seen someone apply with this. They tried this approach. It didn't work. Wait a second. This wedge or this approach is different. This seems unique. Oh, the founding team actually seems like they could crack it and they can maybe make a decision based on that. But I think in terms of the experience itself, once the application submitted, the interview is a very cool experience because in 10 minutes you're getting rattled or firing off questions where you are rattling off answers. I think the, mm. the biggest thing, and this is something which every single person can improve upon is especially in 10 minutes, when someone asks a question, it's very easy to restate the question and maybe answer it tangentially versus just giving mm. the direct answer. An example of that mm. could be how many users do you have now? The roundabout answer would be in terms of how many users we have, we're taking this approach to acquire and we're starting off by doing X and three minutes later you've said, and right now we have five customers who started a trial versus answering the question as how many users do you have? We have 10 signups, five of them have signed up for the product and three of them are paying users on our monthly plan. Boom, done, crisp, right to the point. And in a 10 minute Mm -hmm. interview, that's pretty critical because then it gives you the chance to surface more information to best sell yourself and best sell the company. Just be direct. That's that's the, that's the best way. Probably good life advice uh, there. <laughs> to just be yeah, direct. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. Did you pivot uh, Doula during or after YC? It was during YC that pivoted into Doula. So uh, we can talk about that in the later conversation. Uh, how did YC help you go from zero to one to n? Where you are right now? Biggest thing I think is for any founder, let alone first-time founder, there's so much you just don't know. And I think YC can give lots of advice. And I love how they've even open-sourced, if you will, a lot of this advice. There's YouTube sessions you can watch, there's courses, and end of day, the information is out there. But I think a big benefit of YC is that when you're in the batch, you have this target date on the calendar. And it's not this date when things magically finish and you can hit pause. It's demo Mm -hmm. day though. And that's the day when, hey, you're going to be pitching in front of a lot of investors and maybe that can start the time for transitioning into a fundraise. Leading up into that, obviously the best way to pitch yourself, business, customers, investors, whatever it might be is validating people need what you're making. And the best way to validate that is ideally revenue, but if not revenue usage, people who are using your product and love it. And leading up to demo day, then, okay, let's say you have eight weeks or 10 weeks each week, how are you working towards those goals? And what I really liked about YC is every week there's the office hour. You're there with other companies, you're there with your group partner, and you have this weekly growth goal or this weekly target for what you were gonna do. Did you do it or did you not? What stopped you? And if Mm -hmm. week after week there's some obstacle or you're not hitting the number, eventually you can't point the finger anywhere else. Um, Either you're not executing well or you are executing and taking the best bets and it's not working. So is the inside off, is the execution off, is maybe both off. And I think that accountability, and it's not just the accountability, I do believe you are the average of who you spend time with. And when you're surrounded by other ambitious companies, pushing, growing, you're learning from them too, 
that levels you up for sure. It doesn't mean you have to be obviously in YC or have to be in a batch, have to have these office hours to get that, but you are a product of your environment. So if you are surrounded by those people in that structure, it's kind of hard to not go through the, it's obviously you're not guaranteed to succeed, but you are stacking the deck again and maximizing the chances that, okay, week mm -hmm. over week, I'm going to be focused. I'm going to try this thing. And if it doesn't work on to the next thing too. Love that. Share a do things that don't scale story in, in building doula. There's many, I think there, there's lots of examples of, uh, even this week we were, we were talking about, there was a partner we were chatting with and he said, oh, I remember back in the day, if someone wanted to talk, they just, your Calendly was on the website and people would just come in directly into my Calendly. Um, mm. And even before, you know, there wasn't a really a sales team, a CS team, you just do everything. You're there, like if a customer has an issue, you respond. If, uh, if a prospective lead has a question, you just try to sell them on the offering and answer their questions too. But I think a... Uh, do things which don't scale. Maybe recently a story from last year is we had launched this new offering, a DAO LLC offering, decentralized mm. autonomous organizations. They were now eligible to become LLCs or be recognized as LLCs in Wyoming. And we mm. had worked on a partnership with this company called Syndicate. And I was mm. thinking, okay, how can we come up with a bang here to announce the partnership? There's a product hunt post, but really mm. follow up on that hype and put out some content slash demonstrate we are thought leaders in the space. And what mm. I decided was, okay, I can't do this forever. I guess technically you could do it forever, but I'm going to post a thread on a different DAO every single day for the next 66 days. And I decided 66 days because I had read in this book, Atomic Habits by James Clear, that on average, it takes 66 days to build a habit. Mm. Obviously it doesn't take exactly 66, it's an average, so it could take more, it could take less. But right. I said, okay, 66 days, I'm gonna do it. We announced the partnership, posted on product hunt. And then for the next 66 days, I didn't miss a single day. I posted a thread every day, a thread mm. on Lynx DAO. They're a DAO that's created for golf, golf enthusiasts. There was a, mm. a thread called Spice DAO, which actually bought the original manuscript for the book Dune, the series yes. Dune, which is an awesome, mm -hmm. awesome sci-fi uh, series. Mm -hmm. And each day I just did a different thing. Sometimes it was uh, explained like I'm five concept on DAOs. Other times it was profiling a DAO. Mm -hmm. Fast forward 66 days. What happened was we became the go-to option for forming DAO LLCs. Now, obviously macro wise, there's been changes. Maybe there's less DAOs being formed, et cetera. But if you go to Google and search DAO LLC, we're the first, if not the second or third organic search result. Um, mm. Over 30% of all DAO LLCs ever created historically have been formed with Doula too. And in that short mm. period of time, we went from quite literally no product offering, no offering to we are the go-to option or the market leader in terms of folks forming. And mm. I think that what that showed me is that you can be sitting anywhere in the world, but with the right focus and consistency, you can brute force your way into any conversation or any room or any search result with enough time. Um, right. Does that scale forever? I guess technically you can scale it. You could have more writers, more contents, but I think that just really showed me that we're capable of so much more than we believe. That could be for pushing out a new product. And end of day, every single company in person, especially today is fighting for attention. That's the single mm. biggest thing. Um, mm. There's pings on every single messaging app. There's pings on every social media channel. You right. have your days that you're processing and going through. How do you get in front of someone? That's the key. How do you capture attention right. from a customer or even someone? And it's possible. You just have to sometimes get creative and be persistent and consistent too. I love that. I love that. Man, you did it for 66 days. That's amazing. And of course, like the consistency pays off once you keep pushing this content, right? And you will definitely, you know, 
somewhere down the line it'll, you'll get peaked uh, another question how did you get your first thousand users combination of things i think the very first thing is I think we saw one of the DMs that I sent you three years ago. I actually just pulled it up again, but it was a message effectively saying, hey, do you know anyone looking to form an LLC or a C-Corp? We'd love to help answer any questions they have. Here's my email. Feel free to message me. Would love any referrals, something along those lines. And mm. I think I sent that message to about, it was more than 10, maybe less than 100, but somewhere in that range. I sent that same message to a lot of people. And oh. probably most people didn't respond. I got a couple of responses mm. from folks, but mm. our first couple of customers came from word of mouth that way. So that was one way. Another thing was, okay, testing a small paid budget campaign on Google ads where mm. we know what people are searching for, how to form an LLC, non-US resident, True. things like that. Starting to run some ads into a landing page. And the mm. second someone hits the landing page and chats us, we pounce on it. Hey, mm. do you want to chat, et cetera? Like responding right away, that fast response. I think fast responses can oftentimes win a lot of business. And mm. it was really just that brute force to get the first customers. Then over time, what happens is you start to get word of mouth. Founders know founders. Um, you can iterate on those paid ad campaigns. You can start to put content out as well. And I think mm. those are the main combinations of things to get to the first 1,000. It's a combination of paid, combination of mm. organic word of mouth, um, and then also just a combination of that brute force outbound. And over time, each of those things can compound. And then more so now, what we're also trying to do is partner with individuals, communities, accelerators, and networks so that right. if founders within that community or that group need mm. help with everything from entity formation to banking to taxes, we can be that go-to partner. Right. I love that. And you're saying brute force, I would call it hustle, like pure hustle, right? Like you DM a lot of folks and like follow up with them and whatnot. I love that. Uh, can you share how the demo day experience went? Really cool experience. I think that's, again, one of the values of YC is they're teaching you a lot about how to start a business for people who've never done it before. And then mm. at demo day, what they're able to do is pull together a group of the world's best investors and investors so that it makes it easier for you as a founder to run that fundraising process where you do a pitch once, Investors who are interested can reach out. You can request or reach out to investors too. And then post demo day, you have this period where you're able to, as much as possible, run a parallel process where you can stack your day, have many of these conversations versus having one conversation a week. And then the process runs for a full year, uh, 52 conversations in 52 weeks or 52 oh. conversations in two weeks. You're going to be busy, but at least you can finalize the process a little earlier. Yeah. Really cool yeah. experience. Again, I think one of the major benefits of YC is that they help you get to that demo day and then also make it easy or as easy as possible to get in front of as many investors as possible, Tim. I love that. And last question uh, before we dive into the bonus content, if you can share three tips for founders who are trying to get to SE, what would those be? Tip one would be to apply. And that might sound like a silly tip, but actually you should just apply. Um, you have to apply actually. Okay. So that's tip one. You should apply. You have to apply. It will be helpful. Even if you don't get in, it's a good exercise for yourself. Tip two is read the successful applications of others who've gotten in. And I don't say that to say there's a formula. There is no formula. You cannot hack the application, but I think what you will see is how direct succinct and to the point, a lot of these applications are, it removes a lot of the fluff, like similar to that answer we went through before, how are you going to acquire customers? You could write 
six paragraphs on that and four of that's fluff, or you could get directly to the point. Step one, I'm going to work my personal network. I've built up this following in this space. I'm going to send out this many DMs per day. Step two, we're going to run some paid ad campaigns. We have success from doing it with this. Step four, we have a list of the top 100 newsletters focused in the space. We're going to test $100 sponsored posts, whatever it might be, having yeah, some plan yeah. there, but being direct and to the point and as quantitative as possible. Step two then would be, or advice number two would be to look at other successful applications. Then I think the third tip would be don't make anything up. And I think a lot of people think, oh, if I'm applying to YC, I need to be farther along than I am. I think YC mm. to this day still accepts companies that are pre-revenue. And mm. I think the biggest thing is it's not as much about where you are when you apply. It's about how quickly you can iterate and build. For mm. example, let's say you apply and you have zero product, zero users. Mm. By the time you apply, let's say you get that interview and that's three weeks later. In three mm. weeks, what YC is going to be looking for is what did you get done in three weeks? In a startup, three weeks is eternity. Did you go from nothing to, <laughs> hey, we have a thousand email signup list. hundred mm. people have actually signed up from that list. And we have 10 people on trials. We think we're going to be able to convert. We mm. also went from zero product to, hey, now we have an MVP. Right. That's great because in three weeks you demonstrated, wow, this person can move fast. Maybe they were one person with yourself and a co-founder, but then what well, YC's picturing is okay. 12 weeks from demo day, if they were able to move that fast with the guidance we can give, they can move even faster too. And mm. I think that's the third thing I would say is obviously don't make anything up. You should never do that, but it's not a big deal if you aren't that far along. What is a big deal is how fast can you iterate after that moment in time and demonstrate you can do that week over week too. I love that. Appreciate you, Arjun, for like you know sharing you know the the answers for the for the standard questions. I'm really excited for this part, which is like the bonus content, right? Talk to me about uh, the first thing that I, that come to my mind is the pivot, right? Like, what was the idea before you went to YC was, and how did YC helped or the network or the partners, the peers, the other founders helped you like, you know, navigate the through throughout the pivot. First thing is, and YC will admit this too, YC doesn't determine if your business succeeds. You do and the market does. Um, ultimately, the market will. It doesn't matter how mm -hmm. hard you try. If people in the market don't need what you're making or timing's off or a combination, it's not going to work. Mm. The thing I think YC can help with is if they've seen your idea in the past, they will tell you that, hey, this, does, this mm. hasn't worked and there are structural reasons why this doesn't. That doesn't mean that you can't take a unique approach to solving that problem. But I think... Mm. First thing in terms of a, let's call it a pivot. Um, if a YC founder, if a YC partner says, hey, XYZ could be a problem, you should perk up your ears and listen. They're not making that up. It's in their best interest. Quite literally, they're an investor of yours and they've seen things too. Um, so I think just taking that and listening to it and acting on it's critical. But I think the other thing is really it comes down to what I think YC does a great job and we can do this in all aspects of our life is just that structure and the accountability of if each week, for your business, mm. your app, whatever it is, you have, you've, you've selected this as your primary metric and you're trying to hit that mm. week over week and something's not working. You just can't point the finger anywhere else. Maybe mm. you know why it's happening and great, you know how to go improve it, but you can't point the finger elsewhere. And even before applying to YC, I was thinking about this social fitness app and I built it. And mm. in hindsight, I wish I had applied some of the YC principles much earlier, which is, hey, mm. what's the primary metric? Each week, am I hitting that? Why not? Mm versus kind of letting it drag out and saying, realizing four months later, wait a second, there's something wrong here. 
versus if you followed the YC approach of, hey, each week I'm going to do this, I'm going to report on my metrics and figure out why am I not adding users? Oh, it's because of this feature. I built it, still not working, et cetera. Mm. So I guess to summarize there, I would say the in terms of helping to pivot, it's really that structure the week over week. Also right. call it pattern matching, but if they've seen things which have worked or haven't worked, you should take that and take that seriously. But then the third thing, again, is they they don't decide. The fact that gotten to YC and then we pivoted means quite literally the, the idea that they thought would work didn't work too, same as we did right. too. Um, right. And then when you're pivoting too, there's always going to be concerns, but that's what I think it does come down to really believing as a founder or as a builder that you can brute force something into the world. It's possible. That that's And that's the other thing too, which you don't really realize it until you're in the arena yourself or you don't have to be in the arena as a founder, but even working closely. But right. every single person who started something, what they're doing is taking something and pushing it into the world, which is very hard to do. Uh, and mm. that's why, especially now, it's not that I didn't have that respect for people before, but you empathize with it so much more. And mm. that's why anyone taking the plunge, I don't care if you're launching a newsletter, if you just start tweeting every day, right. kudos to you, like rooting for you. And it's so easy for someone to be a backseat critic saying, oh, like, look at you doing yep. this thing. That was cringe. You're like, oh, you don't have any followers. What I say is, hey, you're just, a, you're sitting there like the loudest booze come from the cheapest seats. You're not doing anything yeah. too. I have the respect right. for the person actually trying. Um, right. And that's very hard to do. It's much easier said than done. But I think anyone building, creating, putting content out there, whatever it might be, is taking a massive leap of faith. And yeah. kudos to them. Like I, I'm rooting for them and I love seeing people try to do it too because they're taking the plunge and they're in the arena at the end of the day. Absolutely. I, I think I, I, I kind of talk on the, on the same lines. I take the basketball analogy, you know, playing ball is different from comment giving commentary sitting on the sidelines right there, there's a massive difference you know i respect people doesn't matter if you're drafted like 60th draft or even undrafted doesn't matter if you play ball massive respect you can't really like you you don't have a right to actually comment someone if you're not like you know in the arena right i feel like that's i completely agree with you on that point like doesn't matter where you are where you are in, in the present moment you never know if you keep consistently doing like think three years ago you and i think I, I do remember the first interaction between you and me was glide app i don't know if you remember that <laughs> yep i was i was actually testing a glide project and you were also testing something and we both like kind of exchanged some feedback and i think the fitness app is something that you built on glide if i'm not wrong correct that's how i found you on product hand or somewhere on, on twitter lines we were both like pretty naive, like testing our own curiosities. That's that's really important, right? Like if you if you either of us stop doing what we're doing, what we did in the last three years, we would not be like you know in the current stage. And the same thing applies for you know rest of the folks. Talk to me about like one of the things I want to uh, ask you about is forming an LLC. It's such a how do I put this? It's such a boring task. Right, like it's such a you you need to like a lot of you need to educate a lot of the laws or the the norms and you know the rules, et cetera, et cetera. How are you solving it? How are you educating people? What are the steps you're taking? I know you're you're aggressively creating content, writing threads, like educating people in in your way, but how do you really like get into their minds? Okay, this is super easy. It's like clicking. It's like ordering Uber Eats. It's that simple, right? How you're 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 in the process of simplification. So, what kind of 
uh, methods are you using to like educate founders? I love that analogy. I think part of it is if let's say you were an alien and you came to earth or, okay, let's say maybe that's not the best because aliens could have better technology, but let's say <laughs> you, uh, were you know, in the year 1600 and you teleported to today and someone right. said, you can take this thing called a phone. First, you'd have to explain that you can click a button and mm. any food you want is going to be sent to you within 15 to 30 minutes. You'd say that's magic. But today we know that is the case. And if the food comes in two hours, you're like, that's too long, which is wild. But if the point right. is, you know, it exists. I think for right. us, step one is educating folks. Um, if you live outside the US, this is actually possible. And then step two, once you know it's possible, it's about really anticipating questions. But then once you know the questions, answering them. And to start, mm. it's, you know, answering the questions one on one. Hey, this is what needs to happen. Don't worry about this. But I think the challenge is then taking that and productizing it. How could you create an onboarding flow, which feels like someone's hand holding you through? I do think most times people don't want to talk to a human if they don't have to. Um, you usually do that if you can't get a question or if you want peace of mind. And that's okay to have peace of mind. But if you can do it in an immersive way, using copy, using the user experience, the user interface, that I think is powerful. And that's hard to do because um, it takes immersive design, it takes immersive product, immersive engineering. That's the goal though, is how do you take something like formation and make it so that people feel such peace, that they feel such confidence that this is going to get done properly, that they're comfortable going through the flow. But part of that comes from word of mouth. You have the social proof, you have the trust. People say that doesn't matter. It absolutely does. Uh, the testimonials, the validation sure. from investors, whatever it might be, all of those things have an impact and they compound. Once you have those things though, I think that, uh, one sec, I think my camera just died. Let me switch this. Oh, there we go. Yep. Once you do have the onboarding flow in place, I think that the goal for us is how do you replicate that? So if you can do it for formation, can you do it for opening a bank account? Can you do mm. it for doing your taxes? And it's never going mm. to be 100% zero touch, but the goal is mm. can you automate or at least make it as self-serve as possible? And mm. the way you do that is through education. It's literally, it's copy, it's videos. And I think that's the key why I think content's so important. We're launching a video mm. library called Doula University and all of those things, the goal is make it as easy as possible for folks to find the answers. If you need to talk to someone, you get a free consultation, you can do that too. And mm. to summarize it, I would call it a high tech, but high touch experience where upfront, if you need handholding, fantastic. Our goal is to win you as a customer long-term and you can build that relationship via content, which you know works for you when you're done working, or it's a one-on-one -on -one consultation. And in 15 minutes, you've won a customer who's not only gonna work with you, but then they'll refer 10 of their friends over the next 10 years, which is amazing. Yeah, that, that that's why I think you have to create like content that lives beyond your presence, right? Like the university idea is such a, such a no-brainer and it also like lives beyond you. You don't have to educate. You can just point out to people say, hey, this is how you can form an LLC. This is how you can form a DAO, and you know whatnot. I love that. Uh, you're one of the folks who I actually kind of observed in, in the Twitter space. I mean, X space. I don't know what how to call that. <laughs> who aggressively started building in public? How much of that really helped accelerate Doula's growth? I think what it can do is provide a behind the scenes look for many different folks. And I think the growth comes in a couple of things. One, customers or prospective customers find it interesting. They're like, whoa, this is a company that's 
Give me a peek behind the scenes. I like that authenticity. I want to work with them. But also, I think what it can really help for is talent or candidates interested in joining a company or looking. Mm -hmm. People are always looking. Whoa, right. I get to see what it's actually like there. That seems cool. Um, right. Let me keep them on my radar or when the time comes, I'm interested. And I think the third thing is whether you're raising money or not, but let's say you are, it's a way to stay top of mind with investors too. Um, whether mm -hmm. you're sharing metrics or you're not, you're just giving a glimpse into the business and people right. are following, people are seeing. And what that means is, uh, sorry, hold on. I just died again. <laughs> One sec. No worries. There we go. I have a dummy battery in here. I'm curious what camera you use, but um, I think sometimes it just overheats if it's been on too long and I've been on a bunch of calls all day. Um, oh. But yeah, just, just to summarize, I think from yeah. building in public or even posting content, there's three main benefits. One, customer acquisition. People see that and they get interested. Two, there's candidate acquisition or talent where people see that and they're like, let me keep this company in mind. Let's see if there's open roles. And then three, there's investor acquisition or investor staying top of mind where people see that as well. And it keeps you top of mind. Like, oh, I noticed like they launched this new product. Let me reach out, et cetera. And all three of those things can help. It's hard to measure the immediate impact, but the absence of posting or building in public and you don't have to do both. You could do a combination. The absence of it means you're reducing the surface area for the serendipity or mm. the chance that any of these three things can happen. Yeah. I think not doing anything is worse. Yes. Doing something is better. Right. Yep. And of course the other thing I, I, I'm, I also build in public like aggressively. Uh, one thing I observed is the, it's kind of like writing a journal in public, right? You know, you go through a day, you come to your home or your you know desk and you write like this lengthy page of how the day went. Imagine that being on Twitter, Substack, podcast, whatever the medium it is. Over time, if you look back, it it's fascinating to see like wow, you know, we did so much. The the connecting dots are like so it's it's really out there, right? And it, it beautifully narrates itself into a story. So that kind of like you know is is my motivation. Like okay. 10 years down the line, if I look back, the, the little pieces I put out, like the tweet, for example, or the DM you sent me, that's it. Like that really adds like 10 years from now, if we both look back, that looks so cool. You know, that's how Dula, the initial days were, right? So uh, that's awesome. But, so Dula is not like, I'll be honest, like Dula is not, not a new thing, right? Like there are, you know, Stripe Atlas is something that's been dominating in the formation LLC, you know, in, in ink formation, anything, it, they help us uh, founders. And I, when I formed shout out my, my startup on the side, I actually approached, went to a traditional lawyers, you know, approach. Right. And so given there is a already heavy competition, how did you convince YC that you are going to be a differentiator? Number one, and right now, now, given that you're out of YC, how are you convincing your future investors or customers that, hey, pick us versus like, you know, the big, big blue brother like, like Stripe? There are many ways to form a company. You mentioned a few. Um, Atlas, which is an awesome tool, really inspired by them. They've had a huge impact. 
lawyers, CPAs, they're helping people form. And I think anyone pro entrepreneurship and helping, I'm in support of them. Um, mm -hmm. So I think first thing is a rising tide lifts all boats and anything to help more entrepreneurs get started, fully in support, rooting for those companies and people. That being said, if entrepreneurship is never going to go away, if it's easier than ever to start a company, which it is, that's backed by census.gov data, which has shown recently um, mm -hmm. all time highs in formations. If those things are true, that means that, oh man, it overheated again. <laughs> you know what? You can go ahead. I think okay. it's fine. It's going For to sure. be an audio version too. Yeah. If, um, if these things are true where entrepreneurship is not going to go away, formations are at all time high and it's easier never to start a business. That means the market can support multiple players. Now, mm. that being said, it's hard to build a business just forming companies. It's not impossible, but if you think about it, forming is a one-time event and it's a couple hundred bucks. So the right. thing that investors will be looking for and we look for is how can you deepen the relationship and add additional products over time to help those mm. businesses grow and for your mm. business to grow. If you can do that and investors believe it's possible, then the market can support multiple businesses doing it. It's not the type of thing where it's winner take all, meaning that you know, you'll only have a uh, one Facebook and it doesn't make sense to be on other platforms, but right. it does mean that you can have multiple options and there'll be a few mm -hmm. bigger players. And as long as more people are forming companies, then you're in a good spot there. And I think that's the thing mm -hmm. where, uh, it doesn't mean that our business will disappear overnight or Atlas will disappear overnight, but the mm -hmm. key is how can you find a niche and carve out mm -hmm. a trench there, if you will, and mm -hmm. build your company that way. And then slowly layering in more over time. But whether it's a niche like e-commerce or SaaS or consulting or uh, creators, whatever it might be, if you're mm. able to take one of those niches and become the go-to option, then mm. there are a lot of different avenues for growth. Mm. And founders like uh, similar to you who are also applying for YC, who has heavy competition, what advice do you give for them? Where do you think they should focus on? Of course, the obvious answer is focus on your strengths, not your weaknesses and, you know, like you said, if you're pro mission, which is in your case, helping founders win, irrespective of whoever it is they're going with, Stripe, the traditional route, Doula, or a couple of other options, that's one way of like portraying that you want to, you want a healthy market. But uh, what advice do you give for like, you know, where, where do founders actually focus on when they have heavy competition and they want to get into IC? Competition isn't always a bad thing. It means that there could be a need that no one's perfectly solved yet. And that's why there mm -hmm. is competition. It also means that there's people need this thing. If there's multiple people trying to solve that problem. Also, if you don't want competition, then you shouldn't do a startup or what you don't, what you don't want to, what you want is like a, just a job then where there's no competition. Yeah. You don't want to even start a business. There's always going to be competition. Even if there isn't now, when your thing starts working, others are going to say, Hey, how, how can we do it too? So it's inherent mm -hmm. to business. It's going to happen. But I think the important thing is to think through Yes, there's competition, but is there a way, or do we think there's a way that we can carve out some niche or area within here? Um, at least like an initial foothold where there's less competition, because if you're facing competition on every single avenue or axes, then quite literally a bigger company just has more resources. But if you aren't facing competition on one resource, that's the opportunity for a startup. And that's the, the, ever, the, the battle is can startup reach scale before incumbent reaches innovation? And mm. if you can move fast enough as a startup, you can reach that critical threshold where maybe it's not winner take all, but you can carve something out there. Mm. So I think to summarize, 
competition isn't a bad thing. It's inherent in any business. It's a sign that the market actually needs something or it's not perfectly solved yet. It can be an entry point for you. And if there's a way to find a subset of that, how do you, you know, own or dominate a subset of the market first and expand before trying to boil the ocean at first? And that's much easier said than done. Struggle with that all the time because sometimes you want the world, the world's your oyster. But paradoxically or ironically, by focusing on a small segment and owning that, it makes it more likely that you can boil the ocean. Awesome. Man, Arjun, you've dropped so many gems. Bill in public, how to how to educate your users, you know, when you pivot, like where to focus on. Lastly, like about competition, how to handle and it's a good thing. You know, it's people should encourage, founders should encourage about other folks building the same thing. It's it's healthy, right? I love I love this conversation so far. And before we wrapping up, uh any 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 closing thoughts that you wanna share? Biggest thing I'd say is that I truly believe every person has some side hustle inside them. Every single person, doesn't matter how big or how small, we all start in different ways. And the best time to start that business is yesterday. The second best time is today. There's nothing stopping you other than that voice in your head. Um, but believe it or not, people are rooting for you. Uh, there will always be critics, but the critics aren't in the arena. The loudest boos do come from the cheapest seats, but they're the cheapest yep. seats for a reason because they're not in there. So I'm rooting for anyone out there looking to start, whether or not you do it with doula, but I hope mm -hmm. that something in this conversation or something that you see in the future does inspire you to finally take the leap. Awesome. That's awesome. I, I, I love your passion about, you know, founders succeeding in their, you know, in their paths, right? I think that's, that's the greater purpose you're chasing. And I'm, I'm rooting for you, Arjun. You know, you know me, right? Like I've been supporting doula, uh, on product hunt, like, you know, these intros and whatnot. So, uh, but yeah, thanks again for joining us today and sharing the experience of getting into YC, the tips you shared, the advice, you know, hopefully we both can inspire through this conversation, some other founders who are in the process of applying for YC. So that's the whole goal. And again, thank you, Arjun and folks who, who listen to this, appreciate you. I have more founders like Arjun in the pipeline. Uh, who genuinely, authentically want to help others win. And stay tuned for more episodes. Until then, cheers.